And we are on air for Fan for Racing, NASCAR Weekend Preview of Martinsville and Kern County Raceway. Uh, joining me now is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Always a pleasure to be here on Thursday nights as we preview a raceway, race weekend. Okay, yes, uh, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, during this first half hour, Jay and I will get into a few updates from the Canon Pro Series East. Uh, there's a couple little things we can mention there and the Arkham Menard Series. And then we'll also preview the Canon Pro Series West. They'll be racing at Kern County Raceway this weekend. Uh, at nine o'clock or at uh, eight o'clock, I'm, at nine o'clock, we'll get into the um, uh, Gander Outdoor Truck Series that will be racing at Martinsville Speedway this weekend. Nine twenty, we talk a little bit about the Xfinity Series and a few updates there. They are not racing this weekend. And at nine forty, our preview uh, goes into the NASCAR Cup Series also racing at Martinsville Speedway this weekend. At 10 o'clock, we have our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And, Jay, I think it's just you and me tonight. Yeah, I know I saw that. Andy said he wasn't going to be able to make it. Always disappointing. Uh, He brings a lot to the conversation. And uh, I think we've got a couple of good ones to to cover tonight. Yes, uh, I think we do. And... uh, uh, I I don't know about you, but I'm thinking we might be able to be done by 10:30 tonight. Well, you know that's always their thought when it's just two of us, but somehow or another, we seem to come up a little <laughs> short. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Okay, well let's go ahead and get into the K&N Pro Series. Well, let's start with the Arca Racing Series, or, or the Arca Menard Series. Um, there's a there's a few really good articles on uh, on the ArcaRacing.com website, but one of the things I want to bring everybody's attention to is a sizable increase in the ratings for the Arca Menard Series finale at Kansas Speedway on Fox Sports One. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, it was disappointing. I will say one thing that was disappointing is we I tried to watch it on Math TV, and for whatever reason, Math TV was showing the Elko Speedway race instead of the uh, season finale. Uh, but they did say that they were showing it on FS1 at 11 o'clock. A lot of people probably tuned in to FS1 at 11 p.m. because that was the replay of the race. And I've got a feeling that's why there was so such an increase, such a spike in the viewing of that race. Well, it certainly was. Uh, you know, myself, uh, I, I go through a cable company itself, not a satellite, so I don't even have access to MAV TV. So uh was able to pick it up on FS1. And I, I know what you were saying about them showing a different uh, race there. Uh, the Twitter feed uh, blew up. Uh, on that <laughs> uh, Yeah I was one of those people Tweeting Mad TV saying uh, They said they were going to show the ARCA finale They tweeted that they were going to show The ARCA finale and I said Except that you're showing Elko Speedway instead <laughs> um, Yeah I, I'm a little disappointed That they made that big of a mistake On a season finale uh, Just a huge Huge disappointment But I'm happy to see that there was a a, uh, a ratings increase. It said they averaged 420,000 viewers. 
Well, and that's what I think they need to look at for next year. I mean, Mav TV has been great, but again, that is not accessible to all fans. And I know FS1 isn't necessarily either, but I think it does reach a broader platform and capability um, for the fan. So I know they're still looking at next year in this whole package. I know Mav TV again is coming back, but I think they need to look at that of these other series can get some national attention if they put are put in the right location and uh, put on as advertised, if you will. Yes, <laughs> yes, I totally agree. And uh, I, I hope, I know they had FS1 originally planned for that season finale. Map TV kind of stepped up at the, at, you know, to uh, take over the uh, broadcasting of that race. But, um, you know, they made the mistake, uh, and that was disappointing. But uh, kudos to them for stepping up when, when Fox Sports 1 couldn't do it. They had a scheduling conflict because of the playoffs and stuff, uh, some other playoff uh, sports functions that they needed to, to uh, show on that programming instead. Uh, so a little disappointed with FS1 for kind of bumping the Arkham Menard series. Uh, but happy to see that they got such strong viewership for uh, that 11 o'clock slot. Well, and that is a tough position they're in, especially when it comes to other sports playoffs that aren't locked in. It could go four games. It could go seven. So they Mm -hmm. are in kind of a bind when it comes to that. I I know there's a couple of adjustments that get made, or, again, for me, if I'm not home, recordings – Sometimes things are running late or get transferred over. They'll start on FS1 and then come back to whatever channel it's supposed to be on. Um, so they do do a lot of sports overall. So I kind of understand their position of, of not being able to initially televise it live. Um, but I do think that they do do a lot and realize what value there is in that as well and are trying to meet more of that demand. Yes. Now, I will say uh, – the uh, couple of Arkham Menard Series drivers are going to be uh, are on the entry list for the Truck Series race this weekend. One includes the Arkham Menard Series champion uh, Christian Ecke. He's going to be racing with uh, um, Kyle Busch Motorsports, and I'm trying to see what his car number is going to be here. Uh, am I looking at the right one? <laughs> I haven't actually looked at the full list for the truck series entry list, but I know he talked about running. I want to say he was going to be in the 51, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Yeah, I'm not either at this point. That was the cup series entry list. Uh, And I don't see one for the Gander outdoor. Here it is. Okay. This should be the Gander outdoor truck series one now. Um, yeah, Christian Eckes uh, is racing this weekend. Uh, also, Sam Mayer, the Can-N Pro Series champion, is racing. Yes, Christian Eckes will be in that number 51 truck for KBM. And uh, Sam Mayer, the Can-N Pro Series champion, will be in the number 15 this weekend for DG for, uh, is that right? Hold on, I just lost it. Sam Mayer will be with GMS Racing in the number 21 truck. I was going to say, I thought he still had his partnership in working with GMS. Also, uh, uh, Jeb Burton will be racing the number 44 
for Nice Motorsports this weekend, so that'll be fun to watch as well. That will indeed. I would love to see him get a full-time ride in any of the series. I know he's done some part-time stuff with uh, Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series and done really well um, in, in those starts he's had. I, I think he's one, too, that once he gets a full-time ride and can go after a championship, we're going to see exactly how much talent and what he can do in a full season. Okay. Also, uh, NASCAR wheeling uh, modified driver is racing this weekend. Danny Bond, B-O-H-N, is in the number 30 for On Point Motorsports this weekend. And this is kind of the time of year, like I said, I really like. Being that, say, for the truck series or the Xfinity series, drivers that are running for points and championships in one of the upper series cannot run in a lower series. So these teams bring in some other drivers, uh, whether they're testing them for next year or just giving them the opportunity to shine and, and get a ride anywhere else, whether it be with their team or not. So we get a lot of mix of that in these final races in, at the end of the year. And the fact that the Arkham Menard Series is now done racing, that frees up a lot of these drivers that they can make these other starts. So I really like this time of year. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, I do, too. You, we get to see some new names. Uh, Cody McMahon uh, will be in the zero car for Jennifer Jo Cobway racing this weekend. So uh, the main highlight here is that there's several – there's some Arkham Menard Series drivers uh, with Christian Eckes, uh, for the champion this year, racing in that number 51 uh, to bring up with the Arkham Menard Series here. Okay, I do want to go on here to the Napa Annuals 150 uh, that uh, will be racing in the Can-Am Pro Series West this weekend at Kern County Raceway Park. They're racing Saturday, October the 26th at 7.25 p.m. Pacific time. That would be 10.25 East Coast time. Uh, It will be streamed live on fanschoice.tv. And uh, this is a 0.5-mile paved oval. Last year's winner was Derek Krause. Last year's pole fitter was Haley Deegan. Both of them will be racing this weekend, and uh, it's going to be exciting uh, to watch these guys. Only two races left in the Canon Pro Series West season this year. Well, and you talk about exciting, just naming those two particular drivers. Again, Derek Krause does not quite have that championship locked down yet. Uh, we've seen some tussles between teammates Haley Deegan and, and Derek Krause, some, a bump and run. So I think it is going to be some very intense racing. Uh, And then not to mention, as we move down in points, Haley Deegan will be involved there, second through uh, fifth, second, third, fourth, sorry, second through fourth, a matter of four points apart. So they're still battling for the best finish they can get in the championship overall as well. Yes. And that second through fourth is such a tight battle. Uh, we're going to see some changes, I think, after Kern, and I bet it changes up again after the uh, season finale, which will take place at ISM Raceway in November. Uh, Derek Krause, as you mentioned, he's leading the series point standings, um, uh, and he remains in the driver's seat to be that champion. Uh, he's heading to one of his best tracks on the schedule, 
and so he's going to be tough to beat. He is the defending winner, uh, but as we know, a lot of things can happen. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, one thing that's kind of cool about uh, Derek Krause racing in, for the Canon Pro Series West is that he's really from the Midwest. He's from Stratford, Wisconsin, uh, and right now he's 40 points ahead of Trevor Huddleston, who is a West Coast driver. Uh, and, uh, again, these both of these guys, uh, Trevor Huddleston, who is in that second place, uh, is really going to have to uh, – uh, be on his P's and Q's because Derek Cross is going to be tough to beat. Well, it's funny that you said this coming up to, to be a good track for him. Out of 12 races on all the tracks this year, out of 12 races, he's had 11 top 10s, nine top fives, four of those being wins. So nine out of 12 being top fives. What's a bad track for him? <laughs> Not only that, he's he's had four trips. Uh, to this racetrack at uh, Kern County Raceway. Out of the four trips, he's won three times and finished second. So he's either finishing first or second at that track. So, again, uh, that's not good news for the competition. That's certainly not, and that would clarify what a good track is for him. Like I said, I'm not sure what a bad track is, but that would certainly uh, well define (laughs) what a good track is. Yes. Uh, now, not far behind him is uh, the All-American, uh, the Wheel and All-American series. Uh, uh, actually, he won at All-American Speedway, the last race out for the Canon Pro Series West, uh, Jagger Jones. Uh, this is going to be his first trip to Kern uh, in the Canon Pro Series uh, car, but he's won five races in a late model at Kern County Raceway. So uh, his teammate, Trevor Huddleston, hasn't finished worse than sixth in two of his trips to Kern County Raceway, and he has two wins in the K&N Pro Series this season. So there's two drivers that also have a good track record at uh, Kern County Raceway, but uh, we'll have to see uh, what happens because a lot of things, as we've already stated, a lot of things can happen when you're coming, winding down in the season and coming to the close of uh, the whole season for this Canon Pro Series West. And one thing I think you be, you touched on there when you talk about uh, Trevor Huddleston and Jagger Jones, them being teammates, and then you get to Haley Deegan, who is a teammate of Derek Krause. So again, set up or yeah. anything they're doing, Haley Deegan has access to. Obviously, uh, there's a little bit still with the driver, especially when it comes to a particular track. Uh, We've talked about that with other drivers watching another driver, um, whether they're teammates or not. But a teammate that has access to all information, the car setup, and everything that's going on with that team certainly has an advantage to then try and pick up and hang with them as well. So it will come down to almost driver on driver. Yes, indeed. Now, Bill McAnally, you mentioned Haley Deegan. We've mentioned Derek Krause. Those guys are teammates. Well, another teammate is Brittany Zamora. And uh, last time I looked, she was running sixth in the series point standings. Uh, Both of those drivers want to really do well and improve their points uh, status uh, after this race and heading into the finale. Uh, So Zamora... 
Deacon had a runner-up finish at All-American Speedway. Zamora had a sixth-place finish, uh, which is her best result in the last three races for this series. And there will be a fourth driver uh, back behind the wheel for uh, Bill McAnally Racing. He raced at Roseville at the All-American Speedway. Dylan Garner is going to be back in uh, his Bill McAnally Racing car. And that, that tells you the strength of that team. Uh, we have seen the development. You talk about Brittany Zamora um, getting her best finish there on this, uh, the last three races. The development that she's had sitting six in – or I'm sorry, let me back that up. I believe she, you were right that she was – yeah, she is currently in six in points. Um, coming into the rookie season, again, you're looking out of eight top tens out of 12 races, having picked up two poles. So, again – Bill McAnally, one of those that, that is picking some really talented drivers to develop and help move up through the NASCAR ranks. We've already seen that with Haley Deegan getting some Arkham Menard starts uh, in the Arkham Menard series. Derek Krause as well um, in both the trucks as well as the Arkham Menard. So does a great job of developing uh, young drivers like that that are, are going to move up throughout the uh, NASCAR ranks. Yes, indeed. He really does. And, and we've seen that over the years. Uh, also, Zach Telford is making his second career start this weekend as well. Uh, he was running second on the last lap at Meridian just a few weeks ago. So uh, he's really looking uh, to finish up a little bit better than his ninth place finish uh, when he comes into Kern County Raceway this weekend. And there again, the talent displayed and the capability, I think we could very well see that. I see no reason not to possibly expect a top five out of him, depending on how circumstances play out. He certainly showed he has that capability, and the team put a car under him to give him that opportunity. So I do expect to see him up there battling, even as a, uh, what, second second start for him. Yes. Yes, indeed. Now, um this is going to be a 150-lap race. They'll be going a distance of 75 miles, and it, they'll run that in two segments with one break at or around uh, the end of lap 75. Uh, now, they're going to get four tires for practice, four tires for qualifying, and to begin the race, and then two additional tires uh, for use during the race for a total of 10 tires. Uh, so, as usual, a, rep, a team representative must designate the qualifying and race tires to NASCAR's of, uh, officials at the designated times, and teams will be allowed to bring one set of tires from home to register for the practice session. Now, tires must be proper code and registered with NASCAR officials before the beginning of that those practice sessions begins. So uh, that's pretty pretty the typical way that this usually goes, uh, but just a refresher for everybody. And the thing to look at there when we've talked about this as far as if this uh, app, uh, format might be utilized at the top level of, of NASCAR for financial reasons, but when you look at it, for these young drivers, no, they don't get to practice pit stops, but the key thing there is they have to give feedback to the crew chiefs so when they get that break, what changes need to be made to the car? The crew chief will say, hey, this is what you're doing to the tires. So when we put these new tires on, you need to possibly adjust what you're doing to said tires. So it also helps them improve in their, in their driving um, 
ability and uh, way of driving to make sure they don't use up those tires. If they really use one up in the first uh, half or break before the first break, you know, the crew chief, again, might make some adjustments, but also tell them, hey, you're burning this tire up. You need to adjust what you're doing. And that's how those drivers develop. Then they move into the next stage of now going into a full pit stop, as well as continuing to give that good feedback so the crew chief can make necessary adjustments. Yes. Uh, and you're right. This is really good experience for these guys. Uh, I think next year is going to be even better experience uh, for the K&M Pro Series that will n- next year be known as the Arkham Menard Series East and West uh, because they'll be able to race with the Arkham Menard Series uh, for the Showdown Championship, which is 10 of their 20 races. So uh, I think it's really going to enhance uh, the development of these drivers uh, having this new format next year. I know we still haven't gotten a whole lot of details on that, especially not until probably the Arkham Menards, what will be the Arkham Menards West and East schedules come out. But I hope a lot of these teams, I know the top teams in each side, uh, Bill McAnally here from the West, uh, Brucotti probably will run majority of those 10 showdown races with the full Arkham Menards series. But I hope some of these other teams do for that reason. Like you said, that opportunity and that uh, opportunity to race with some more veteran drivers on a bigger stage, if you will. So I think it's going to be very important for them to utilize that opportunity if they can financially. Yes, I, I do too. And I hope that they do. Uh, time always tells the rest of the story, uh, but uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on that for sure. Um, so that, uh, I'm sorry, Jay, we are coming yes. up on um, uh, the kind of the end of this segment, unless there's something more that you wanted to point out. Was there any more that you wanted to uh, bring up here? No, I know we went uh, right now, went down most of the drivers there that will be in this uh, K&N way, West race, as it still is this year. The one thing I did look at there, again, a rather big field turn uh, speedway, obviously a popular stop on the K&N West series. So you got 15 drivers on the entry list right now. Uh, I always like to see that. Yes, that is very cool. Uh, You always want to see uh, a good number of uh, drivers out there on the track. So that always helps. Anything else? All right. No, I think we've pretty much covered them. Again, I did look at the east side page. There are some articles up on the Canon East uh, homepage. Um, reflection on the championship for oh, – I lost it. Canon East. Uh, GMS looking back at with a reflection back on their championship season. I know it was one of them. Um, so, again, throughout the off season, obviously, news slows down a little bit, but there's always so, still some great articles coming up on these NASCAR home track pages. Yes, there are. So, uh, you still want to kind of keep an eye on that uh, throughout the season, especially as teams start making announcements for the 2020 season. Uh, you want to stay abreast with what those, those announcements are and uh, – uh, you know, 
find out where your favorite driver is going to be racing for that next season. And uh, they always have some great spotlight features as well, Uh, you know, kind of uh, spotlighting uh, crew chiefs and and, uh, different people that are involved in the Canon Pro Series. I've seen spotters and uh, crew chiefs and uh, even officials sometimes featured on those websites. So uh, you definitely want to stay tuned, uh, even though it is what they consider to be an off-season. It it is an opportunity uh, to continue to learn all about the sport. Like you said, they do a lot of coverage on different aspects of the sport, not just from the driver team aspect. So it certainly is something that if you're a true race fan, and again, especially we've really come to like covering the the K&N West, which will become the Arkham Menards West Series. I don't get the opportunity to see them as much, but you can still follow along very in-depth with the coverage they have there. Yes. Now, do you have an update, Jay, on our uh, fantasy uh, game? All right. I can do that real quick here. We've got a couple minutes. Um, Well, let's start. The Xfinity are off this week. I know there was a little bit of a change there. Sharon, you still had that lead, but it's a little bit smaller now. 90 points. Sam is up to 85. I'm at 75. Andy is at 59. James is at 55. As we go into the truck series, uh, that one I had the lead, which shrunk a little bit. I'm at 69. Andy is up to 63. James is at 41. Sharon, you're at 40. Sam is at 36. On the cup side, believe it or not, we have a tie. Sharon, you and I are tied now at 99. Sam is still right there on our heels at 94. James is up to 84. And Andy's at 77. So uh, all positions can still change here in these final races. And then overall, uh, that one, again, is tightened up a little bit. I'm at 243. Sharon, you're at 229. Sam is at 215. Andy almost broke the 200 mark. He's at 199, and James is at 180. Okay. Well, it's it's uh, been fun throughout this season uh, to do this. I know we're still working on our picks for this weekend at Martinsville. So, uh, I, Jay, I know you go out on social media when those picks come in so that uh, folks know what our picks are, and hopefully with our preview today, it'll help other people with their fantasy picks. (laughs) Well, and I know you were busy getting set up for the show. I believe you have the next pick for both series, because I went first in the Cup Series, and I believe Sam came in with his Truck Series pick. Okay, well, let me put Custer down for uh, the – oh, no – He's not racing this weekend. That's that's next week. You can't pick him yet. You can't pick him yet. (laughs) Let me put Strader down for the truck series. Okay. Okay. Mark that one one down. Has MTJ been picked yet? Uh, Nope, because like I said, I had first pick, and I went with Denny Hamlin off the brain. I had a lot in my heart, but... uh, Okay, and I see you got well, them in our messenger, so everybody will get them. All right, yeah. and I'll get them noted down, and we'll see if anybody else pops in throughout the show here. Oh, okay. So we're still working on our picks here for the uh, uh, 
Martinsville Speedway, and uh, like I say, Jay, I know it goes out on social media as well. And uh, for those of you that are looking for who you need to pick uh, on your fantasy picks for this weekend, I'm, I'm hoping that our preview kind of helps you uh, nail that down. So let's uh, – next up is going to be our uh, preview for the Gander Outdoor Truck Series that's racing this weekend at Martinsville Speedway. So we'll, we'll get into that momentarily here. All right. And I don't know if All you saw right. it there. Sam, Sam, Sam was following right along. He just threw in uh, Joey Logano's name, which obviously is a great pick at Martinsville Speedway. So. Okay. So, so that's really good. All right, we will get into now the um, Gander Outdoor Truck Series at Martinsville. They are racing this weekend, and actually you want to set the DVR if you're not able to watch it for Saturday, October the 26th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox Sports 1 We'll have the pre-race coverage starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, the radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They will be racing a distance of 105.2 miles, over 200 laps. Stage 1 will end on lap 50. Stage 2 ends on lap 100. And, of course, the last stage ends on the last lap. Last year's winner was Johnny Sauter. All right, when we talk about some of the drivers to highlight, get to start out with one we had on the show here, was it last Thursday, uh, Spencer Boyd. He's going to be in the number 20, Young Young's Motorsports Chevrolet Silverado, uh, age 24, born June 26, 1995. Should have had him say this while he was on the show, because I'm going to crib Coir, Missouri, as the hometown. That is not pronounced right. I apologize. That is a... Crepcore, okay. That is the first time I've seen that. I've been through Missouri, but I've not specifically seen that town, I guess. Uh, he'll have crew chief Buddy Cisco in his ear to help him out. Uh, he captured his first NASCAR Gander Truck Series victory at Talladega here a couple weeks ago, and he made his series debut at Martinsville back in 2016 for Mike Mittler and MB Motorsports. In 2019, again, he won his first Gander Outdoor Truck Series race at Talladega Super Speedway. In 17 starts, he posted that one win, two top fives, and two top tens. And he's had an average starting position of 22.8 with an average finish position of 19.0. And with his uh, debut there, he made two starts at Martinsville, at posting a best finish of 27th, which came earlier this season. All right. Now, uh, next up on our parade laps is Matt Crafton. He drives the number 88 for Thor Sport Racing. Uh, birth date, July 11th, 1976. He is currently 42 years of age. He's from Tulare, California. He enjoys riding uh, the Glamis Dunes in Sandrails and Carding. Uh, he, uh, of course, is from Thor Sport with uh, crew chief, Carl Joyner, Jr. Now, he's got a lot of career highlights here. In 2018, he finished sixth 
in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series point standings, his 12th consecutive season inside the top 10 in points. He's also clinched his third straight playoff berth in points performance, but he was eliminated in the round of six. In 2017, he finished fourth in the in the Truck Series point standings, making the championship four for his second straight season. And in 2016, he scored a berth in the inaugural Gander Outdoor Truck Series playoffs, making it into the championship four, but finishing runner-up in the final standings. In 2015, he led he led the series with his career best six wins, finishing third in the championship point standings. In 2013 and 14, he became the first driver in the Truck Series history to win back-to-back championships. He's the only driver, I think, that has done that. In 2008, he earned his first career Truck Series win at Charlotte Motor Speedway. This year, he's currently fourth in the Truck Series point standings. He's 44 points behind the leader, Brett Moffitt. He's just one point up on fifth-place driver Tyler Ankrum. This is Crafton's fourth consecutive Truck Series playoff appearance. And through 20 races this season, he's posted six top fives, 16 top tens, and three poles. Those came at Kansas, Charlotte, and Talladega. He has led 35 laps of uh, 200. I'm sorry, 2,814 laps completed, and his average starting position is 7.3, while his average finishing position is 8.6. At Martinsville, Crafton's made 35 starts, posting two wins in 2014 and again in 2015. He has nine top fives. He has 20 top tens. He's led 385 laps at the short track, and his average starting position at that track is 11.6. His average finish there is 10.6. All right. Now we're going to look at another contender, uh, Ross Chastain. He's the number 45 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet Silverado. 26 years old, born December 4th, 1992, comes out of Alva, Florida, and the hobbies and life, essentially, is farming watermelons. Crew Chief Phil Gold going to be helping him out here, and he's raced part-time over nine seasons, competing in 79 races. He's recorded three wins, which came at Kansas, Gateway, and Pocono all this year. He's also picked up 13 top fives, and 31 top 10s. In 2012, he ran his only full-time season in the Gander trucks, where he tallied a top five and four top 10s. For 2019, he's seated currently six in the 2019 Gander Outdoor Truck Series playoffs, 46 points behind leader Brett Moffitt, and just two points behind fourth-place Matt Crafton for that cutoff. This is his first career Gander Outdoor Truck Series playoff appearance. Through 20 races this season, again, he's posted those three wins, eight top fives, 16 top tens, and a pole, which came at Michigan. And he's led 487 of the 28 or 2,819 laps completed. He maintains a starting position of 10.8 and an average finish of 9.2. 
When we talk about Martinsville, he's got a few starts, seven in total at the paperclip, posting one top five and three top tens, has an average fi- a start of 15.6 and an average finish of 12.7. Okay, next up is Brett Moffitt. He drives the number 24 for GMS Racing, born August 7, 1992, at 27 years of age. He hails from Grimes, Iowa, and uh, his crew chief is Jerry Baxter. Uh, for his career in the truck series, last season he drove, uh, Brett Moffat drove for Hattori Racing Enterprises in the number 16 Toyota uh, with six victories. Uh, he led the way for his first career truck series championship for both Moffat and HRE. Now, he also won his first Gander Outdoor Truck Series race in 2016, taking home the Checkers at Michigan. And at that time, he was racing with Red Horse Racing. He made the most of his uh, six victories last in, let's see, he made the most of six uh, starts in 2016 in the Truck Series. Uh, During that time, he had three top three finishes and four top 10 finishes. In 2018, he entered the Gander Outdoor Truck Series scene, uh, and he did that with a pair of starts at Kentucky and Michigan. This year, he's right now the top seed in the round of six. He has 3,885 points. He's 23 points out of the second-place driver, Stuart Friesen, and 45 points uh, ahead of fifth-place driver Tyler Ankrum. In 20 starts this season, uh, let's see, he has posted four victories. Those victories came at Iowa, Chicago, Bristol, and Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. He also has 12 top fives. He has 15 top tens with an average starting position of 4.2. That's pretty impressive, and his average finish is 8.0. He has led 269 of his 2,911 laps completed this year. At Martinsville, he has four starts there. Uh, when In those four starts, he has three top fives and four top ten finishes. He finished third at the short track at this last spring and runner-up at this same race last season. So uh, a lot to, to bank on there with Brett Moffitt. Well, and one you've heard mentioned a couple of times there, Tyler Ankrum in the number 17 DGR Crossley Toyota Tundra, 18 years old, born on March 6, 2001, coming out of San Bernardino, California, and he's got veteran crew chief Kevin Mannion on the box. He clinched the 2019 NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors by becoming the only rookie to make the playoffs. Due to age restrictions, he missed the first three races of the season before turning 18 years old in March. But he was able to qualify. I'm sorry, he made his uh, Truck Series debut on October 27, 2018, right here at Martinsville, where he drove for DGR Crosley, started 19th, and finished 18th. He heads into Martinsville, ranked fifth in the Truck Series playoff standings with 3,040 points, 45 points behind the playoff leader, Brett Moffitt, 
but just one point behind fourth place Matt Crafton in that final championship four slot. Through the first 20 races of the year, he's competed in 17 of the events, again, due to being too young to start the season. So in 17 starts, he's posted one win, which came at Kentucky, three top fives, and eight top tens. He's led 58 of the 2,168 laps he's completed. His average starting position on the year, 11.3. Average finish, just slightly back from that, 13.7. I mentioned he had his debut again at Martinsville. He's made two starts there, uh, posting two top 20 finishes, both in 2018 and 2019. Okay. Next up on our list here is uh, Austin Hill. Uh, he's driving that number 16 for Hattori Racing Enterprises that uh, Brett Moffitt won the championship with last year. He is uh, born April the 21st of 1994, making him 25 years of age. He's from Winston, Georgia. He enjoys hunting and spending time with his family and boating. His crew chief is Scott Zipidelli. Now, he scored his first three Gander Outdoor Truck Series wins in 2019. That was at the season opener at Daytona, Michigan, and again at Las Vegas. He finished 11th in the 2018 Gander Outdoor Truck Series championship points. That was his very first full-time season. In 2017, he joined Young Motorsports and made 12 starts for them, finishing then career-best 23rd in the point standings. In 16, he posted his first top 10 finish in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. That was at Martinsville. And in 2014, he made his Truck Series debut. Where else? Martinsville Speedway. Uh, Now then, this year he heads to Martinsville Speedway, uh, seated third in the Truck Series playoffs uh, for the round of six standings. He's 33 points behind the leader, Brett Moffitt. This is his first Truck Series playoff appearance. Through 20 races this season, Hill has put up three wins, again, at Daytona, Michigan, and Las Vegas, uh, six top fives, 12 top tens, and two poles. Those came at Chicago and Pocono. He's led 153 of 2,911 laps completed, and his average starting position is 8.8. His average finishing position is 12.5. All right. Well, we talked about some Arkham and Arge drivers. Now we're going to talk about a K&N Pro Series East. I think Sharon mentioned this. The East champ going to make a Gander, second Gander Truck Series start. After winning the 2019 k Pro Series East Championship and Rookie of the Year on the strength of four wins, Sam Mayer is set to take on his second NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series race. The 16-year-old will be behind the wheel of the number 21 GMS Racing Chevrolet, having made his National Series debut earlier this year at Bristol, where he started 18th and finished 21st after being involved in a crash just shy of the finish. This year in the Pro Series East, Mayer swept the series pair visits to Bristol, as well as won the Iowa stop in July and concluded the season in victory lane at Dover. He was extremely consistent while driving for GMS, finishing in the top five in 11 of the 12 races. His worst finish on the year was an 11th place result 
and that was in the second stop at South, South Boston, which, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't actually finish that race. Um, he's also made eight Arkham Menard starts on the year, finishing in the top five in seven of those efforts. That included a second-place finish in his second start at Salem Speedway. So he's going to be one to keep your eye on this weekend at Martinsville. Yeah, very impressive in the Canon Pro Series. And uh, uh, it's fun watching him make a couple of starts here in the Truck Series as well. Now, one driver that we did not mention uh, from the Canon Pro Series is Tanner Gray. And uh, it, he's going to be in the number 15 for DGR Crosley this weekend. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch him. He comes from uh, the 2018 NHRA as the Pro Stock Champion. So it's really fun to watch him making this transition over to the uh, He's making his National Series debut at Martinsville this weekend. Uh, it's a mere eight months after making his first stock car start in the K&N Pro Series at New Smyrna during Speed Weeks. And if there's anything that the 20-year-old Gray has shown in his short racing career is that he adapts quickly. He started in the NHRA Pro Stock Division in 2017 and then became the youngest NHRA national event winner in April of that same year. He then won the championship in 2018 during his second year in the division. After making his stock car debut just this past February, Gray then earned his very first pole and first victory while making left turns in just his very third, just the third race. Uh, And that was at another Virginia track, South Boston Speedway. Uh, That's just shy of uh, Martinsville is in blink. Now, Gray has uh, scheduled to finish up the 2019 schedule in DGR Toyotas running at Martinsville, ISM Raceway, and Miami. So look for more from Tanner Gray. All right. And again, we've talked about this a couple times now. That was the first race of the round of six. To wrap it up, they're going to hit Martinsville Speedway this weekend, the paperclip, the .52-mile short track. And then the season, or I'm sorry, the final race, cutoff race, will be ISM Raceway in Phoenix, Arizona. And that's the one-mile track with the dogleg now on the front stretch uh, where the start-finish line got moved to this past year. So those are the two tracks remaining here in this round of six as they look on to determine the championship four. Yes, indeed. Talladega was the first race of that round, so uh, that'll be fun. Uh, how have they fared at Martinsville? Well, we'll take a look. I'm going to start from the bottom and move up here. Ross Chastain uh, is uh, is group. He drives the number 45 for Nice Motorsports. He's made seven starts at Motors at uh, Martinsville, uh, posting an average finish of 12.7, his best finish and his five uh, finish came earlier this year when he crossed the finish line in fourth. He's also had three top tens, two of them coming in his most recent two races, uh, and Chastain has competed in three uh, Cup Series races at Martinsville as well. Then there's Tyler Ancrum in the number 17 for GGR Crossley. 
He has the smallest sample size at Martinsville out of the playoff drivers, having competed in just two races at that track. He finished 18th last fall and was 19th earlier this season. Matt Crafton in the number 88 for Thor Sport Racing is the lone remaining playoff contender who has recorded a win at Martinsville. In fact, he has two there. He won there in the spring of 2014. Uh, that was uh, on his way to his second series championship, and then he also won again in the fall of 2015. In 35 starts at Martinsville, uh, Crafton has uh, nine top fives and 20 top tens, as well as an impressive average finish of 10.2. He does have two DNFs there, uh, and both of those DNFs came as a result of mechanical issues. Uh, Austin Hill, in the number 16, in eight starts at the paperclip, has managed just two top ten finishes. He finished 10th in the fall of 2016 and ninth in the spring race just last year. He's also posted an average finish there of 16.2. Stuart Friesen in the number 52 for Hallmark Friesen Racing uh, is an ace on the dirt short tracks. He's raced five times at Martinsville, putting up mixed results. He has two finishes of 20th or worse, along with a pair of top tens. He was sixth in the fall of 2017, and he was fifth earlier this season. Friesen started from the pole in the spring race there this year. Brett Moffat in the number 24 for GMS Racing is the leader in the series points and has competed four times at Martinsville, never finishing worse than sixth, which he did in his first trip to the track going all the way back to 2017. Since then, he's put up finishes of third and second last year and was third again earlier this season. Uh, And Moffat also competed in two Cup Series races at Martinsville during his Sunoco Rookie of the Year season in that series. All right. When we look at it, technically, the championship four grid is still blank with that non-playoff contender Spencer Boyd getting the win in that opening round of six. That means all four spots in the championship battle are still up for grabs with Martinsville and ISM Raceway looming. Now, defending champion Brett Moffitt sits in that best position, holding that 45-point advantage over fifth-place Tyler Ancrum, one spot outside that cutoff. However, the cushion diminishes significantly, making each of the two races, next two races, especially important. Stuart Friesen in second is 22 points ahead of Ancrum, while Hill is third and 12 points ahead. And just one point separates Crafton and that fourth spot. And despite, despite the late race crash at Talladega from the lead at Talladega, again, Ross Chastain is only two points out. So it's still eh, kind of an open game. Moffitt might be able to go in on points, but we'll have to see who wins these next two. Well, with uh, the Gander Outdoor Truck Series uh, making a return now to Martinsville Speedway, for the second race in the round of six. Uh, We need to remember Kyle Busch took the checkered flag in the first race that took place there earlier this year. But there are three former Martinsville race winners that are entered this weekend. One of them is a championship contender. Johnny Sauter, of course, leads the field there. He has four wins 
uh, going back to the fall of 18, the fall of 16, the spring of 13, and the spring of 11. Uh, and he's looking to play spoiler because right now he's eliminated from playoff contention. His uh, Thorsport teammate, Matt Crafton, is still in contention for the championship. He has a pair of wins there in 15 and 14. And then John Hunter Nemechek, who is declared for points in the Xfinity Series, won at Martinsville in the spring race last year, but he's scheduled to drive for Monaco Motorsports again this weekend in that number eight. Uh, again, uh, it's scheduled for 200 laps uh, with stage breaks at 50, lap 50 and again at lap 100. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and move on now to the Xfinity Series uh, for that uh, update because they are not racing this weekend. Uh, their next race will be at Texas Motor Speedway. All right, I'll give two quick updates there. One, starting with the Sunoco Rookie of the Year. Uh, only two Xfinity Series rookies remain eligible for the end-of-season end of honors, as Stuart Haas Racing with Fred Biagi's Chase Briscoe and Junior Motorsports' Noah Gregson have both advanced to the round of eight in the playoffs. Briscoe currently holds a 37-point lead on Gregson heading into Texas. When we look at the manufacturer's standings updates, Chevrolet currently holds the lead there with eight wins uh, following Kansas with 1,076 points, and that's 14 points up on second-place Ford, who has 10 wins, and 20 points up on third-place Toyota, who has 12 wins. Okay. Now, uh, new winners uh, act in the Xfinity Series uh, happens quite a bit. And so what I did is I posted the article about this on fanforracing.com, and uh, I encourage everybody to go uh, there to read about this. But uh, uh, the most recent new winner at, uh, in the Xfinity Series was Brandon Jones, who just won at Kansas for the very first time. So uh, the other driver who sent it this year is Austin Sendrick. So uh, enjoy that article because it does give some history of uh, a lot of drivers who have won for the first time in that series. It certainly does, especially over the past couple of years. So great thing to look at. Uh, one of them you talked about there. Let's see how we have this break broken down. Whoops. Uh, looking at who can catch the big three in the Xfinity Series playoffs. Got to go down starting with Austin Sendrick as he's currently in the eighth and final position in the playoffs now in the round of eight following an incident at Kansas on lap 71, which relegated him to a 25th place finish. As a result, the Team Penske standout dropped four spots in the standings and now has a 30-point mountain to climb over the next two weeks to make his way into the championship four. But in 30 starts this season, He's posted two wins, coming at Watkins Glen and Mid-Ohio, 13 top fives, 21 top tens, and an average finish of 9.3. Uh, starts at Texas include or entail three races where he's had one top five and two top tens, an average finish of 7.7. Now I'll go ahead and do uh, seventh here, too, as well, real quick. Noah Gregson, uh, he finds himself seventh there in the standings, 17 points behind his fourth-place junior motorsports teammate, Justin Algar. 
in 30 starts this season. He has eight top fives, 20 top tens, and an average finish of 8.8. He's only got one start at Texas where he finished 13. Do you want me to do all of them or do you want to alternate here? No, you can go ahead and do it. All right. Next up, again, another junior motorsports is Michael Annette. He resides in that sixth spot, 12 points back from Justin Algar, another junior motorsports teammate in 30 starts. He's gathered one win, which came at the season opener Daytona, six top fives, 18 top tens. His average finish is 10.0. Now, he's got a total of 14 starts at Texas with two top tens, a one DNF, and an average finish of 15.3. Fifth spot, that is currently held by Chase Briscoe, we talked about. Uh, two points behind Justin Algaier in the 30 starts on the year. He has the one win at Iowa, 12 top fives, 24 top tens, and an average finish of 7.9. In two starts at Texas, he's had one top five and an average finish of 7.5. Now, that cutoff line, and again, this is where we're looking at who's going to be in with the big three if they all three make it. That is the number seven junior motorsports Chevrolet of Justin Algaier. He's 35 points behind third-place Tyler Reddick and only two points up on fifth-place rookie Chase Briscoe. In his 30 starts, he has put up 15 top fives, 22 top tens, and an average finish of 9.2. You look at Texas, he has 18 starts. There he's picked up one top five, eight top tens. He does have one DNF. His average finish is 13.1. So those are the ones that we're looking at as trying to catch the big three. Um, I'll let Sharon cover this as far as the tensions among the big three. Yeah, with last week's race, uh, tensions are running a little bit high. uh, As uh, last week, the big three go berserk. Uh, There was a lot of close action on the track and heated exchanges on pit road as tensions have run high following the epic uh, Xfinity Series race last weekend at Kansas. Now the series has a weekend to cool off, but don't expect uh, the exceptional competition to slow down when they return next week to Texas Motor Speedway for the O'Reilly Auto Parts 300. Uh, so that's going to be fun to watch. That race, by the way, will uh, start at about 8.30 p.m. on November the 2nd uh, on NBC Sports Network and radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now, two drivers, Reddick and Custer, made contact in the closing laps at Kansas last weekend. Reddick finished second, while Custer fell to an 11th-place finish. Christopher Bell rebounded from an accident on lap 185, and he finished 12th. So, again, tensions are running really high uh, in the Xfinity Series, and uh, I don't expect those tensions to ease much when they head into uh, Texas Motor Speedway. Most certainly not, and I think we're going to see it carry into Miami, uh, as I believe all three of those should make it there and be three of the four battling for that championship. So uh, when we take a look at the next race, though, again, it'll be another week before they run uh, Texas Motor Speedway as they head into their final off week of the season. The uh, round of eight can decide who make that championship four 
Now, they've hosted the fifth race of the seven-event NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs since its inception in 2016. I'm talking about Texas Motor Speedway. They've had three different drivers have won the playoff race, but only one was an Xfinity Series playoff driver. The first two years of the event, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series drivers took home that checkered flag. Kyle Larson did it in 2016, and Eric Jones in 2017. The last last season, Stuart Haas was racing. Cole Custer won that playoff race and guaranteed his spot in the championship four, ultimately finishing runner-up to Tyler Reddick in the points. In total, Texas Motor Speedway has held 37 NASCAR Xfinity Series races, producing 23 different pole winners and 18 different race winners. Kyle Busch leads the series in poles with four and wins with nine at the 1.5-mile track. Now, again, there was that change made to prevent cup drivers from coming down during the playoffs, so that's why we see that change. Okay. Uh, So the Xfinity Series, again, is off this week. Uh, we're missing them on the track, as you could tell. I, I tried to pick uh, one of those drivers uh, in my fantasy pick. But uh, we will definitely look forward to watching them come back uh, to the action uh, in this race coming up at Texas Motor Speedway on Saturday, November the 2nd. Uh, and I'm going to take this time right now to give a programming note uh, because uh, next week on Thursday – uh, our preview show would fall on Halloween night. Uh, so Jay and I have talked. We've decided to move it up to Wednesday, November, uh, October the 30th, that we will do the preview show. And we do have a guest scheduled for that show. Chase Briscoe will come on board with us at 9 p.m. Eastern time uh, for that uh, preview show. And uh, we'll definitely look forward to chatting with him uh, with, he is our guest, and he can help us preview the race at Texas Motor Speedway. So uh, definitely looking forward to that, Jay, and I think it's a good move uh, to move that away from Halloween night and do it on Wednesday night instead. Yeah, glad we were able to work that out. Excited to have Chase Briscoe on the show. I know we, were, we tried to have him on on Monday night, and he couldn't make it, uh, but was able to make that commitment to uh, next Wednesday. So uh, worked out good for everybody. And reference your uh, your Xfinity Series pick there that you tried to make that you said you couldn't get Cole Custer. I don't know if that's a strategy move that you're trying to throw us off that you you know make <laughs> us think you won't pick him. I just looked back through my notes. You have taken him seven weeks in a row, so uh, I think we know who you want to pick there, regardless. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even have to put my pick in, probably. You guys know who it's going to be. That's provided he hasn't already been picked. Um, well, no, that has happened a couple of weeks. I know last week I debated, and I, I said I was going to have to let you have him. Uh, I, I could have broken that streak, but uh, it paid off a little bit. I think I got you by two points, Algar over uh, Custer, but that was a great race. So couldn't have gone wrong either way, really. Exactly, exactly. Well, now we'll look forward to uh, doing a preview here coming up for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, And they will be racing this weekend at Martinsville Speedway. 
All right. They will be racing. The NASCAR Cup Series is racing the first day to 500 at Martinsville Speedway this Sunday, October the 27th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That race will be televised on NBC Sports Network starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern uh, with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will be racing a distance of 263 miles over 500 laps. Stage 1 will end on lap 130, stage 2 on lap 260, and the final stage ends on the last lap, 263. Last year's race winner was Joey Logano. Well, we'll take a close look at the Sunoco rookie race, as with only four races remaining in the Monster Energy Cup Series season, the competition for that Rookie of the Year honors is as close as it's been all year. Now, JTG driver Ryan Priest leads Richard Childress Racing's Daniel Hemrick by a mere six points going into Sunday's race at Martinsville. Hemrick earned his first career series pole last weekend at Kansas Speedway, but was collected in a crash and finished the day in 31st. He is a season best showing a fifth at Talladega Super Speedway back in May and is currently ranked 25th in the standings. He's led 22 laps in seven races, including a season high of seven laps back at Charlotte in May. Priest finished 12th at Canada, his third consecutive top 20 run. His best finish on the year is a third place in that same May Talladega race. He's led one lap, and that came at Daytona in July. Now, last year, Hemrick was 27th. I'm sorry, earlier this season, Hemrick was 27th at Martinsville, while Priest was 16th. So that gives him a little bit of an advantage there, but we'll have to wait and see. Again, this is a fall race. Different things happen when you come back the second time. That is true. Uh, different seasons give uh, the track a different characteristics for sure. Now, although seven-time uh, Cup Series champ Jimmy Johnson is not eligible for the playoffs this year for the first time, uh, we do know that he's going to be uh, – he, he has already put in a NASCAR Hall of Fame career. But uh, that also means that he has plenty of motivation to play spoiler this weekend at Martinsville. Johnson is enduring his longest career winless streak uh, with his last victory coming on June 4th, 2017 at Delaware. But this week, he'll be competing at a track where he is the winningest active driver and on the verge of making more NASCAR history. The driver in the number 48 for Hendrick Motorsports can become only the third driver in NASCAR history to earn 10 or more wins at more than one track. He's an 11-time winner at Dover. He also has nine victories at Martinsville Speedway. So uh, only NASCAR Hall of Famers Richard Petty and Daryl Waltrip have won 10 or more races at more than one track. Now, Petty won 15 times at Martinsville. He also won 14 times at North Wilboro, North Carolina. In 13 races uh, that he won at Richmond Raceway and 11 races at Rockingham Speedway. 
where he also won 10 times at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, that's a Hall of Fame performance right there. Now, Waltrip won 12 times at Bristol, Tennessee. He won 11 times at Martinsville and 10 times at North Wilkesboro, another Hall of Famer. Now, Johnson is easily the most successful driver at Martinsville this weekend with a series best 19 top fives and 24 top tens to go along with his nine victories there. He's also led a series 6,963 laps and 13 times laps in a Martinsville race. Four times he's led at least and twice he's led at least 300 laps. He's one of only seven drivers to ever win three consecutive races at Martinsville. He did that in the 2006 and 7 season and again in the 2006 and 2009 he won five of six races during that time frame. That's not bad for a driver who finished 35th in his very first start at Martinsville. His last top 10 finish at Martinsville was a victory in the 2016 playoffs when he went on to win the series championship. Now, Johnson currently holds a 15-point advantage over Stuart Haas Racing's uh, Daniel Suarez for the 17th position in the championship point standings. He's also tops among those drivers who did not qualify for the playoffs. Well, and we talked about uh, this on Monday's Hot Topics. Harvick is ready to step up. He is a three-time winner in 2019 and former Monster NG Cup Series champion in 2014 but he is adamant that his number four Stuart Haas racing team will keep its eyes forward. He advances to the round of eight for the sixth consecutive season and arrives at Martinsville Speedway, a former winner from 2011, one of only four current playoff drivers that has won a series trophy on the challenging venue. Now, Harvick would like, however, to claim another and ensure his spot in the championship four round for the third straight season. He starts this round of the playoffs ranked fifth, one position behind where he will need to be to earn that championship opportunity November 17th at Homestead Miami Speedway. He has seven top tens in the 11 Martinsville races he's competed for Stuart Haas Racing, bested by a pair of fifth-place finishes in the 2017 playoff race and the 2018 spring race. He's been among the top ten in the last four races, but hasn't led a lap at Martinsville since March of 2016. His average finish of 15.1 is sixth best among the eight remaining title contenders. Now, he has reason to be confident, however. He's finished seventh or better in three of the five previous short track races and is averaging a 13.8 finish on short tracks this year. He is a two-time Bristol, Tennessee winner and a three-time Richmond, Virginia winner, so this style of competition definitely suits the 2014 Cup champion as he looks to pick up his second one. It definitely does. Now, uh, Chase Elliott is right now chasing a championship. He pulled off one of the most dramatic playoff extending performances of the season last Sunday at Kansas, racing to a runner-up finish, uh, finishing uh, behind 
the winner, Denny Hamlin, which along with some poor luck from fellow contender Brad Keselowski, uh, pushed him forward in the championship hunt. As the standings are reset to reflect bonus points, Elliott now sits uh, and vaults, uh, earning a spot uh, among the top eight. He's three points over Kozlowski uh, to now being ranked sixth among eight drivers. And Elliott has reason to be optimistic about optimizing his chances. Elliott has four top ten finishes in eight Martinsville Speedway races, including a pair of top five runs. His best showing came this March when he was runner-up to race winner Brad Kazowski in the um, evening. Uh, he finished in the top ten in the last three races at the paperclip, and just for good measure, he goes down a Martinsville. He he does own a Martinsville trophy because he won the 2017 NASCAR Truck Series race from the pole position there, leading a race 92 of 250. This season on tracks less than one mile in length, uh, Elliott has a pair of top five top five finishes. Uh, he has a runner-up at Martinsville in March. And he also finished fifth in Bristol, Tennessee, last September. Now, he he finished 15th or better in all five previous short track races and won the pole position for the April Bristol race. So uh, that's not very good news for the competition. No, but another one they got to look at is Truex. Is he still looking for his first win at Martinsville? But he's been this season's one of the, this season's most prolific winner, a six-time race winner, uh, going into Martinsville, but looking for his first career victory at the notoriously finicky half miler. He has five top fives and eleven top tens in twenty-seven starts there. His recent work has been his best, as he finished eighth or better in seven of the last nine races, including the last four. He was runner-up to Kyle Busch in two thousand seventeen and went on to win his first Monster Energy Cup Series championship. He was third there in the 2018 playoff race and finished eighth this past March. And he does trail teammate uh, Joe Gibbs racing teammate Kyle Busch by only four points in the championship standings heading into this weekend's race. And if you think about that of uh, last year's finish of third, he was leading with a few laps to go when him and Joey Logano had a battle for position and Denny Hamlin almost stole the win, but ended up in between them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, and speaking of Demi, Denny Hamlin, it's his time to shine. Denny Hamlin earned his fifth win of the season last week at Kansas Speedway, and he's already turning in career statistics. I can't talk tonight. Career numbers such as his 17 top fives counting total. Uh, but there's a stat that he would like to own, and it comes with a well, and that's the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series Championship. The 38-year-old Virginian is undeniably the Prince of Martinsville short track among his eight remaining playoff competitors among his eight remaining playoff competitors. His five wins at the half-miler are most among the playoff field. 
He has uh, only seven-time Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson with nine Martinsville victories uh, as more than Hamlin's among this week's entrants. From 2009 to 2010, Hamlin won three consecutive races at uh, Martinsville, a feat done by only a handful of drivers, all champions. Richard Petty did it in 68 and 69, Cale Yarborough from 76 to 77, Daryl Waltrip in 88 and 89, Rusty Wallace in 94 and 95, and Jimmy Johnson in 2006 to 7. Fred Lorenzen holds the all-time mark for four straight Martinsville wins, which he did in 1963 to 1965. So that's uh, some pretty cool stats right there. In addition to his trophies, Hamlin has finished runner-up three times and third place on three or more occasions. He led 100 laps or more five times at Martinsville, and statistically, when Hamlin's good, he's great. He led 502 of his 1,001 career laps out front in Martinsville in just two races. 296 laps in a runner-up finish in spring of 2009, and 206 laps in his fall 2009 victory. He also has five top ten finishes in his last seven Martinsville starts. And the driver of the number 11 for Joe Gibbs Racing was runner-up to Joy Logano in last year's playoff race. And he was also fifth in March and boasts a best average finish of 9.6 among all the playoff drivers. His 20 top tens at Martinsville are best among playoff competitors and second only to Johnson's 24 in this week's starting field. So uh, Denny Hamlin looks like uh, he could be a good pick for this week's fantasy games. Okay, I'll take him since I had first pick. <laughs> uh, one that didn't get picked surprises me and could use a rally is Kyle Busch. It has been 18 races since Kyle Busch last held a Monster Energy Cup Series trophy, but the fourth race winner this season arrives at Martinsville Speedway as the series championship leader yet again, four points up on six race winner Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Martin Truex and nine points ahead of Sunday's Kansas winner, another GGR teammate, five-time race winner, Denny Hamlin. Now, for most people in the garage area in the grandstands, Bush heads into this final three-race stretch to determine the championship for a competitor on the verge of winning. Certainly, his past performance at these upcoming tracks would confirm that. Bush is the only driver among the eight with multiple Cup Series wins at all three venues. Martinsville, he has two. Texas, he has three. And ISM Raceway in Phoenix, he has three. Now, for good measure and further consideration... Bush has won an additional nine times at Texas and 11 times at Phoenix in the Xfinity Series, giving him double-digit trophies from those tracks. At this week's Martinsville Half Miler, Bush has wins in the spring of 2016 and 17, and then in the 2017 playoff race. He was runner-up there three more times, including both spring races in 17 and 18. Most telling, perhaps, is that 17, he has 17 top 10 finishes, 16 of them are top fives. And so when he's on, he's on. 
Now, he's finished fifth or better in the last eight Martinsville races, including the two victories and two second-place finishes. He's led a race hot, a race best 274 laps and finished runner-up to Brad Keselowski in 2017. In the last seven races, he's led a total of 937 laps, which is 65.8% of his 1,424 lap total at Martinsville. Seven times, he's led at least 100 laps in the race. His average finish at 12.0 is second only to five-time Martinsville winner Denny Hamlin among the playoff-eligible drivers. So he's definitely looking forward to uh, both Martinsville and then Texas and ISM, but he knows that they got to be on their game as this is where the competition gets really stiff. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, Team Penske is gearing up, and we've already mentioned that Joey Logano is the defending winner, but Team Penske has won three of the last five races, including the last two at Martinsville Speedway. Uh, and that's where they're going to this weekend. Brad Keselowski has won two of those Martinsville races, including one of the most dominating victories in the 141 race history at the famous half-mile paperclip-shaped track. He had 446 of 500 laps en route to his March trophy, and four other times has race winner led more. While Keselowski has fallen out of the championship contention, uh, missing the playoff cutoff by the mere three points last week, uh, certainly his two playoff-eligible teammates, Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney, can take some positive energy from the Penske organization's performance at Martinsville. Logano, the driver of the number two for Team Penske, is the defending race winner, as I mentioned earlier, uh, leading two, 309 laps en route to his victory last October. In the last five Martinsville races, at least two Team Penske drivers have finished among the top ten. In March, Keselowski won the race, and Blaney finished fourth. In the race last year, Logano won, and Keselowski finished fifth. In spring of 2018, Blaney was third, Logano placed sixth, and Keselowski finished tenth. In 2017 playoff race, Keselowski was fourth, Blaney was eighth, and Keselowski won the spring 2017 race, while Logano was fourth. Only five-time Martinsville winner Denny Hamlin at 9.6 has a better average finish than Keselowski's 11.3, Logano at 13.4, and Blaney at 14.0 are third, fourth, and fifth, respectively, among the eight playoff drivers uh, in that very important stat. Now, Logano is 29 he has nine top ten finishes and 21 starts, including that 2018 playoff win. He started from the pole position a series best five times among all drivers, including this past March. He has four top ten finishes in his last six races there. Blaney at 25 has three top ten finishes in seven Martinsville starts, including a fourth this past March. He finished in the top 10 in three of the last four races, including a career-best third-place finish in 2018. So uh, some pretty interesting info there 
uh, about the Cup Series drivers heading into the race at Martinsville this weekend. Well, and as I just put in our group messenger, all the Cup picks are in now for us in uh, Fan for Racing, and Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski didn't get picked. Isn't that amazing? Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski? Did, yeah, that's correct. They did not get picked. Wow. Uh, I'm okay, trying to so think where. Who, uh, who are the picks? Well, again, I had first pick. I had uh, Denny Hamlin. You followed that up with Martin Truex. Sam came in with Joey Logano. James took Chase Elliott. And Andy wrapped it up with Clint Boyer. And I would not say Clint Boyer is a bad pick by any means. I know that's his favorite, so you think there might be some favoritism there. But we talked about it. That is one of his statistically best tracks. So uh, not a bad pick, most certainly. But I don't think Brad Keselowski or Kyle Busch is either. No, I don't think so either. I I really think that this is going to be another pressure-packed, uh, tension-ridden um, track, and I think that uh, there's some people who are not going to be happy with one another when this race is all said and done on Sunday. So uh, stay tuned for more uh, uh, tension in both of these series that are racing this weekend, uh, the Gander Outdoor Truck Series as well as the uh, Cup Series. Oh, there, There's almost no doubt about that, and I really think uh, Brad Keselowski, again, being knocked out of the playoffs, this being a good track for him, could really come in with some determination to play spoiler and draw attention away from the playoff drivers as he says, hey, I'm still here to finish the rest of the season. Yes, I agree with you. I think that uh, Kyle Busch uh, was trying to make that statement, I think, last week. Uh, but uh, I look for him to be strong again this weekend for sure. At Martinsville. Anything? I was going to say, too, we did get a couple more truck picks in. Um, again, I took, uh, I'm sorry, Sam started with Brett Moffitt there. You went with Johnny Sauter. I went with Christian Eckes, uh, are the three trucks picks that have now come in throughout the show. Oh, okay. So uh, if those other two picks come in uh, before we end the show, Jay, uh, we'll try to get those announced here as well. All right. uh, A good uh, preview show for tonight, even though I felt really tongue-tied several times tonight for some reason. uh, I had a hard time getting things out of my mouth tonight. We've all we've all had those nights, and I know sometimes uh, I'll, I'll kind of reword what, what's what's there for us. Uh, writing it one way and reading it is, is a whole other story, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, now coming up next will be our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, uh, and uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to be just Jay and myself. Uh, that will be talking the hot topics here. We hope to be done by 1030 tonight. Uh, we'll have to see how this conversation goes. Because I've got, an, uh, I think, uh, a big one to kind of start us off here tonight, Jay. All right. Well, go ahead. What you got? All right. Uh, to start off our NASCAR hot topic sound off for tonight, 
I'm going to go with uh, one that we talked about on Monday, uh, but uh, uh, some more news has kind of come in on this, and uh, I think we need to talk about it some more. Um, there's some rumors kind of flying around. I, I read this week that it looks like uh, Daniel Suarez uh, could possibly be coming back to Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, in fact, uh, the the main thing is that they're working on a contract, but there's some speculation that Eris's new owners are thinking about pulling out of NASCAR altogether. Uh, so the question there is, are there other sponsors that will keep Suarez in that number 41 part? Uh, and if he does stay for another year, uh, where does that put Cole Custer? Well, there's some talk that Cole Custer could go to go fast racing, uh, but now it appears that Corey LaJoy um, is really looking to uh, kind of re-sign with Go Fast Racing in that number 32 car. Also, uh, there's an open seat at Front Row Motorsports in the number 38 car uh, that David Reagan is uh, retiring from. Uh, But there's some conflicting reports on that because some are saying that Daniel Hemrick is working on a deal with Front Row Motorsports uh, to take that seat. Others are saying that Front Row just might shut down the 38 altogether and just work as a two-car team with Tipton McDowell. So another point to add to this is if they do shut down the 38, do they still rent their charter to another team? And if they do, who would that be to? Uh, So uh, it doesn't look like Custer's going to go to the Go Fast Racing team if Corey LeJoy is going to be on that. The 38 car now is now possibly taken uh, by Daniel Hemrick at Front Row Motorsports. And if uh, the deal for Daniel Suarez comes through, which they are reporting that they're getting closer to making a deal for Daniel Suarez, then uh, where does Cole Custer go to? One possible place would be Rick Ware Racing. Uh, because Custer has driven a few cup races uh, in a car that was lent to Rick Ware Ware Racing uh, as the number 51 car. So does that leave him in the 51 car for Rick Ware Racing next year? Wow. Um, So many things coming into play there. And uh, truthfully, I mean, mainly what I was going off of, there is an article up on jski.com by Scott Page, uh, pretty much highlighting what you said that Suarez uh, talking about meetings with sponsors have gone well in the past two weeks, uh, referenced his uh, funding for his team there, the 41 with Stuart Hobbs Racing, as well as with Eris, which, again, that telecommunications company, which has sponsored Suarez in NASCAR since 2015, did recently go under management changes and with some new ownership. So that might be that determining factor. Now, this article says there seems to be building sentiment at SHR of delaying the elevation of Cole Custer to cut until 2021 when the debut of the next-gen car is expected. Um, I see what they're looking at there, but I also think, as we've discussed multiple times, 
Uh, Cole Custer is ready to come up to the Cup Series. Hey, he really is. Uh, you know, we talked about a couple of different scenarios, like you just talked about, whether it be Go Fast Racing or Front Row Motorsports. Uh, I think the one car team was the more pliable option, being that they can put it towards that one car. If it were to be in a third car of Front Row Motorsports and they only want to put towards one of their three cars, you know, I don't know how that would necessarily work out then. Um, and as you said, it seems like that Daniel Hemrick kind of has the, the lead there for that ride if they don't indeed shut it down. So definitely some interesting things at play there. Um, like I said, I, I see what Stuart Haas is maybe looking at if they're saying wait and match him up with the next gen or the, uh, the debut of the next gen car. But I, I really don't believe uh, he's going to be that much more benefited by another year in the Xfinity series. He did three years, I believe it is, and has certainly proved that that was valuable. But I do think he's kind of hit his peak there as far as another year, not necessarily doing him any good, but it may need to be that way if, if the ride isn't available. Yeah, I all I've got to say is please, 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 please find this man a ride <laughs> in the cup series. Uh, because not only everything that you mentioned, but we're talking the big three in the Xfinity series this year. If Cole Custer isn't part of that rookie group next year, uh, fans are going to miss out on a really great rookie class in the cup series. Um, and and that would be a shame. It really would be a shame not to have Cole Custer in that rookie class uh, of the Cup Series next year. Uh, whatever they do, I hope they find a spot for him, uh, again, in a quality ride uh, that he can compete for that Rookie of the Year honor. And, and now that's where it comes into play. And, again, I know that you mentioned the Rick Ware uh, racing being a possibility, uh, in my opinion, and it is nothing against that team, but that would be right. the less of the three or even whatever options are available. Now, again, it would be, to be determined on how much uh, of a technical alliance or partnership they make with Stuart Haas racing, but – that would be the one that you're starting with the least amount of resources and performance versus say go fast racing. I think is that a improved standard from where they've been at in years past. So um, I, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. And I know over the years we've looked at that as far as having a big multi-driver rookie class, we haven't seen that as much as of late. Again, there's only so many top rides available become available each year at the cup level so these rookies aren't coming up in packs of three four or five you know we've seen that in in and i'd say it's been five to maybe ten years that we've seen say even four or five rookies come together in the same grouping normally here in the last few years it's been two maybe three yeah and and i gotta tell you this would be a huge miss if uh, they don't get Cole Custer into a ride uh, to be a part of that uh, rookie season, because that's going to be a race within a race, if you will, for fans to keep their eye on, just like they have all season long here in the Xfinity series. Uh, you got to have these three guys battling that rookie of the year on or out. 
I, th- I think as a whole, you're right. For for NASCAR in the top premier level, uh, it certainly would be nice to have all three of them up there at the same time and battling head-to-head like they have for the championship. Um, so yeah, you're right. I think it would be a good thing for the sport. It would be a good thing for each of the teams. But it all comes down to money and availability of rides. Uh, you know, it's yeah, one of those yeah. I'd like to see it too, but I can't afford to put them in it, so it's not in my hands. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, what are your thoughts, uh, Jay, uh, for a new hot topic to discuss here? Well, I actually had one, and I had to go, I had to actually find it back where I could find something on it. Um, it's been out for four days. I meant to bring it up uh, last time we got to talk, but well, there's so much more happened here. But the Race Team Alliance uh, has purchased the Speed51.com site. And if you aren't familiar with that, uh, yes, uh, let's see. This was put out by Dustin Long on October 20th. Um, Speed 51 streams a variety of short track races from across the country. Majority of them are dirt track. And looking to see here, the statement reads, it does confirm that it has been purchased by the Race Team Alliance. Post-acquisition, Speed 51 will continue to operate in the same manner it always has, remains committed to providing the best in-live short track racing to the racing fan base. And founder Bob Dillner will continue in his role as president of Speed 51. Um, Now, like I said, I don't know that they're limited to dirt track racing, but I know they do. Uh, dealt with them on a, on a lot of occasions that they do cover a lot of dirt track racing. And I think this is something that's a continuation of what NASCAR NBC has done with the grassroots racing, uh, trying to make that tie back to the dirt tracks and expand it to where you're not a dirt track fan, you're not an asphalt tra- fan, you are a race fan. Because, again, a lot of these drivers are coming from those venues. Uh, we talk about Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson. That's where Clint Boyer came from. So I think this is a, a huge thing, and I hope that it comes out uh, as a very positive into the future. Yeah, I'm just uh, – I somehow I missed that news, and uh, it's very intriguing to me uh, that the Race Team Alliance would purchase uh, a site like uh, Speed 51 – uh, Bob Dillner was really the founder of Speed 51, so uh, it's pretty cool uh, that he's going to be able to stay on there. Uh, and uh, gosh, I, that you got to you got to think that they're going to be able to uh, uh, do a lot with that merging of uh, Speed 51 and uh, and uh, the Race Team Alliance, but. Uh, it seems a bit odd to me for some reason at the same time uh, that all these race teams would uh, buy into uh, a website like that. Well, that, that you're right. That did throw me that the fact that it was the, the race team alliance versus, say, NASCAR itself um, that chose to do this. Uh, again, you know, maybe that's what they're envisioning and trying to show NASCAR, hey, you're doing it at the, at the NBC level. Uh, you know, we need to take it a step further and was willing to make that commitment. Um, but you're right. It did seem a little odd the first time I got it that, that it was the race team alliance that made that, uh, that move. 
and that is founded the chairman of the RTA, uh, Rob Kaufman, said on behalf of our member race teams, we are excited about the new initiative with Speed 51. Uh, Bob Dillner and his team have created a great platform to cover grassroots racing, which touches the core fan base of our sport, as well as many of our past, current, and future racers and team members. And we're looking forward to helping them grow the business and plan to work together to create an even more interesting content for our fans. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm still taking a little bit aback about that. But uh, we'll have to see how that plays out uh, and uh, see if it does, in fact, uh, it should. I mean, I can't see any reason why it wouldn't. But uh, time always tells the rest of the story. And uh, I can't wait to see this one unfold. I certainly do as well. And like I said, I've had the opportunity. Uh, I know both uh, Bob Dillner and several of his staff that were here for one of the races right here in, in the hometown, my hometown of Columbus, Mississippi now um, at the Mag Speedway for one of our dirt track races. And like I said, I know they also then cover uh, asphalt ones as well. I believe there's one in Nashville coming up that will be covered. We've talked to a couple of the drivers that are going to be there for the All-American 400. Yeah. So uh, I, th- I think yeah. it is a good step in a good direction. And like they said, of, of trying to reconnect the fan bases that used to be race fans and all of a sudden became either dirt track or asphalt, you know, separated the two. And I think we do need to bring that back into one fold. Yes, I think that would be great. Um, and, and one of the series that's covered uh, very heavily uh, by Speed 51 is the SRL Tour, the Spears Southwest Tour. Uh, and they are actually going to be celebrating their 20th season in the year 2020. So they, they also put out this week their schedule, uh, which includes the All-Star Showdown at Irwindale. Uh, then they'll have the Winter Showdown on March the 21st. Uh, this is, I can't believe it's the sixth annual showdown at Kern County Raceway. We followed the winter showdown, uh, Jay, since, um, since their inaugural winter showdown, and we've just watched it grow uh, over the years, and they're already at the sixth annual winter showdown. Uh, just amazing. Uh, that will take place on March the 21st. April the 25th, they're at Irwindale, May the 16th. They've got the Wild West Shootout at All-American Speedway in Roseville. Uh, then they go back to uh, the second Wild West Shootout, uh, number two. That will be at Stockton Speedway on June 6th. July 18th, they're back at Irwindale Speedway. August 15th, they head to Colorado National Speedway. Uh, September 5th, they've got it listed as an optional date, uh, so that's yet to be determined. Uh, September 26th, Wild Shootout, uh, Wild West Shootout number three at All American Speedway. October the 24th will be their uh, annual October Classic at Kern County Raceway, and November the 21st is the championship finale that will take place at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So uh, this SRL tour uh, certainly has a a great schedule here on tap for uh, the 2020 season. Any thoughts about that, Jay? 
Well, and there again, I think that's going to help the national exposure to it, which I know that Speed 51, again, covers across the nation. So uh, hopefully with this partnership and that'll get that elevated a little bit more um, and highlighted and and make it even more nationally uh, known and broadcasted, just like you said with the Arkham Menard series. We've seen that go, go from a Midwest, upper Midwest program to now, spreading out across the country. So I think it is going to be a great plan. Uh, I see it as a great plan. Um, Have to see how it develops into the future with this partnership. Yes, I'm I'm very excited. And and fans can read about the SRL uh, and a lot of their races at Speed 51. Uh, We occasionally uh, will have some coverage as well. I know uh, Brian Olson has come on our show several times. Uh, to talk about uh, the winter showdown. I've got it on my calendar to invite him back again before that uh, March 21st winter showdown next year. Um, And, uh, again, they put on some great racing. And we see drivers from both the Canon Pro Series as well as the Arkham Menard Series that race in the SRL Series out west as well. All right. Well, I got as I, said, I got nothing else to add to that one for right now. Okay, what's next, Jay? Uh, let me see. I had sent a bunch of notes. I, again, I didn't have my notebook, so I had to send them uh, via messenger to my mom. So I got to pull that up. I know I had a couple. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. I I knew I had a couple more listed there. There has been some. Rumors and talk on Twitter, I don't know where it started. I hadn't found anything concrete on any news sites, but there's apparently talk about with the moving forward in the next-gen car and the manufacturers wanting to have more of what's out on the street, the electronics of it coming forward, which would possibly include what the IndyCar has of a push-to-pass button. And I was kind of really hoping Andy would be on this one. I don't know where he stands on this, but I didn't want to be the only one being extremely vocal against it. So I'll go ahead and let you respond first. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I'm a good one to respond because I don't know. uh, I've seen those reports. Again, I had, there's really no confirmation from NASCAR, I don't believe, but um, I think it's interesting that they're looking at that. Um, And I don't know if that would be a good thing for this sport or not, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if the electronics means could potentially mean a uh, less fuel consumption type of car. Is there talk about it that from that perspective? Like I said, the push to pass was the only portion of it I found other than a generalized categorization of the electronic side of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, my jury is still out on that. I, I haven't had really come to a conclusion with regard to that, but I am interested in hearing what your thoughts are, Jay. I am absolutely, totally 110% against it. I don't know if I can be any okay, more clear than that without using some yeah, without using some <laughs> words that I shouldn't on any program. Um, I, I think it takes away from the driving. Again, we have drivers already complaining about just the way the aerodynamics of the car takes away from the driver. 
Now you're talking about a button that's going to help you make a pass. And I've watched it in the IndyCar. It, to me, it kind of comes out to a push. Everybody saves one till the end. Somebody hits it, they go to pass. The other guy hits it so they can burst ahead, and it's a wash anyway. I just, to me, and it, I, I, I'm not even saying that I don't I need the cars to be stock like they used to, but there is a reason they are called stock cars. And I know we're not 100% stock no more. We haven't been in a long time. I get that. But I think that's taking it a little bit too far. And I just, I don't like it at all. I really don't. I, I think, like I said, now you're not talking about the drivers being in control. And I know with IndyCar, it's no different than um, the, and I can't think of what they call it, but when they come on pit road, they hit the button and the car goes to pit road speed. They can't speed on pit road. Where's the mm. talent in that of pushing a button to control your speed down pit roads? You know, I, to me, it, it takes – not that IndyCar drivers don't have talent. I, I would never say that. But right. there are aspects to it that I do think take away from displaying their driving ability. Well, and I think that's all part of being a good driver is being able to to uh, manage those types of things like the pit road speed and the passing and everything else. And I agree – I agree with you. If this is something that's going to take um, more out of the driver's hands, uh, then then I don't think it's a good thing necessarily. Uh, but I wonder what Andy thinks about it, because I would like to hear both sides of the argument there. <laughs> and I, I can't answer this for sure. I don't recall with being that they all have uh, the electronics, when they push that button, if it is just a matter of basically giving their car the nitro boost and, and energy to push forward, or if it signals the other car and their car cuts back an engine to allow the pass. I don't know exactly which way it works, um, but either way, it, somehow or another, it does give them that advantage to complete that pass. But then, like I said, especially if you save one. And I know, again, I don't like it, but watching some IndyCar racing, it then becomes another strategy because, again, if you – you know that your guy you're racing in second, you're leading, the guy in second has one. You have to save one so that you can either hit it when he hits his or hit it after you get back behind him to do it back to him. So there does come some mm. strategy in, into play with it of when you use it and how you use it. But uh, like I said, as a whole, just from a, a race fan wanting to see the drivers race it out, I do not like it. <laughs> So, so are they limited on the number of times they can push to pass? I, be, I, be, I, believe, I believe in the IndyCar it is three, yes. And that's why I said oh, it, wow. that there, is strategy to, there is strategy to it in how you use it, just like with, you know, if you only get three sets of tires, um, you mm-hmm. know, and I know they have the difference in tires, the hard, medium, and soft. So with it being there, I like the fact that they use the strategy off of it, but I don't like that particular thing being there to begin with. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Um, it, I, it would be fun if maybe they could do an exhibition race where they test it and we could see how it works out on the track and if the drivers like it. Have any drivers sounded off on this? What are the drivers thinking about it? I had not seen any driver input from it. Like I said, I believe it, and I, I don't want to throw any names out there that aren't weren't involved. I'd have to pull my Twitter feed back up of – the ones I think a lot of it was the fan reaction to it. 
Um, I'm trying to think. I know I was on with Jeff Gluck today and NASCAR Chasm. I don't really, like I said, I cannot, cannot say for sure exactly where, where it started or the response is that, again, there was a lot of negative fan feedback such as myself that weren't particularly okay. in favor of it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out because uh, uh, if the fans are not in favor of it, uh, I'm curious to know what the drivers are going to say about it, and I'm curious to well, know what uh, both sides of the argument are. Next next time we get the opportunity, I say we ask Kyle Busch, being that he's one that doesn't like the car the way it is because it takes it out of the driver's <laughs> hand. That's who I would go to find out what he thinks of it. Yeah. Do you know where that uh, rumor originated from? Is it the NASCAR chasm or uh, somebody else? I am I am trying to pull up my uh my Twitter feed here and see where I was all seeing it. Um, I know Bob Pockless was uh doing a lot of uh conversation about it. Yeah, you know, that might be. I was on his day again when I get on for the day. That may actually have been one of them. Okay, I got Pockless pulled up here. Nope, his is the other one I got coming up that I got that from him. Five million. Nope. Uh, I am not seeing it on here. Here we go. Uh, It was posted one day ago. NASCAR plans as early as this is from Bob Pocker's Twitter account. NASCAR plans as early as 2022 to have an electrification component that can store store energy and then potentially can be used for a performance boost, a la the push to pass, and or to be used under caution and or braking. Okay, so that's, mm. where, that's where it actually initiates from, and there's 326-something responses to it. Wow, interesting. Well, thanks for bringing that up because uh, I, I kind of was hesitating on that a little bit because, I, I know that some reputable media people are reporting it, but uh, I, I just hadn't seen anything directly from NASCAR at this point. So uh not sure if I wanted to go there, not that I fully understood everything that they were talking about either. But, uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> It's, it's well, going to well, be a great said, topic to follow. Yeah, I, I think it will be the fact that it is, again, he said it, you know, it was under discussion, and that is a possibility. So we'll have to wait and see. And like I said, uh, that's going based off of a, purely a fan knowledge there on the IndyCar side of it and what I've seen and learned about it, um, enough to know that I didn't particularly like it. Okay. Okay. Um, anything else that you wanted to talk about before we wind up here tonight? All right. Uh, well, the other one that uh, just mentioned with Bob Pockers that, that I had was uh, right now it's Dover. Other tracks have done it, but Dover is apparently looking at or is going to do. I can't. I don't. I think it was actually a confirmed thing of pulling a certain number of seats, um, reducing the number of seats available oh. at a track. 
uh, and it goes with uh, the lack of attendance that we've seen over the past few years, the new TV package coming apart, and basically going back to like Bristol, if you wanted to go to Bristol, there's limited seating, they're sold out, the more valuable they become. So if then these tracks do have limited seating and you can't get to them anytime you want, if that increases the, the uh, drive for tickets. Um, and again, being able to advertise as a sellout, yeah, it depends on how you look at it. If you're only selling out at 10,000 versus, <laughs> say, 40 or 50,000, I get that. But is it really better if you're selling out 10,000 versus if you had 40, you could fit 20 or 30? Um, so I'm kind of torn in that. And, you know, like I said, I understand where they want to advertise that they sell out. Uh, when the TV coverage does it, if it, there is a sellout crowd, it looks better. Um, and, and like I said, if if there's less seats, that makes means they are more valuable because you can't just up and go whenever you want. So it does make it more valuable when you can get it. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the answer, but I don't see it as a bad thing either. There again, I saw some people getting really negative about it. I don't see it necessarily as a bad thing either, though. Yeah, I know there's been a trend of that uh, over the last several years of uh, people wanting to, or tracks, reducing their seats uh, in order to kind of consolidate uh, the attendant, those people that are attending, so that it looks like that there's a full house there. Uh, and I, I kind of understand that to a certain degree. Um, but, you know... I, well, again, we'll have to kind of see. I don't quite understand why Dover has two dates, uh, to be honest with you. I wish Dover was only one date, and people out there probably will hate me for saying that. But uh, uh, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out and if that trend continues at, at a lot of different tracks, getting smaller and smaller as far as attendance. Uh, real quick, I do need to make an announcement here. We are going off the air at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time Sharp, but we will continue recording the rest of our conversation here so that uh, you can listen to that as part of our overtime session on our podcast. Uh, and the podcast, by the way, is available via all of the links that we've already put out on social media, as well as we have a player available at fanforracing.com. What I do is when we finish our conversation here, uh, I put a link out on Twitter letting fans know that uh, our podcast is now available. Uh, And if you've listened up to this point of the show, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark and then listen to the rest of the conversation. Uh, If uh, you're listening on podcast it's going to be pretty seamless and you'll be able to listen straight through Uh, but we do like to let fans know or listeners know that uh, we do go off the air right at 10 30 p.m sharp and uh, you'll hear us continuing to talk that will be available on the podcast okay with that uh, there was one other thing i wanted to bring up real quick here as well Uh, i did get uh notification today that uh, the Chili Bowl for 2020, the Chili Bowl Nationals will be at WWT Raceway at Gateway. Have you heard that yet? Wow. Excuse me a minute. 
I swallowed my toothpick as well as my candy and the cigarette I was smoking. I had not seen that, and that absolutely blows me away. That blows me away as well. They they said that the chili bowl flip count has grown from a cult uh, following an establishment part of the allure that is Lucas Oil's Chili Bowl Nationals presented by General Tire. Uh, And that's thanks in part to the social media uh, fever that happens when the Chili Bowls are running. So the Chili Bowl Nationals are running. So uh, I think this is going to be huge. Uh, that they are going to bring the Chili Bowl to uh, Gateway. And uh, I think what has grown exponentially is going to continue to grow uh, with it being in that part of the country. Uh, Yeah. Again, at this point, that catches me so off guard, I I can't even try to articulate any kind of thoughts at this point. I (laughs) have to see how it plays out. I mean, um, I know that they, the, the talk, and I had not had the opportunity to go there. That is one of the things that is on my bucket list. Um, Me too. Now I have a better chance of going. Yeah, uh, that's just uh, – yeah, we'll, we'll have to bring that one back up. I'm going to have to uh, <laughs> ponder on that one a little bit. Not very often you can catch me oh, off okay. guard where I can say nothing, but uh, – that one <laughs> totally catches me off guard. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to post it on fanforracing.com tomorrow. So those people who are listening here uh, tonight will get that news uh, tonight. Uh, but, uh, yeah, watch for the article to be on fanforracing.com tomorrow. Uh, that's a big one, I thought. And uh, I cannot wait <laughs> for the chance to maybe get Nationals uh, and cover that event. I again, and I because I got friends. I almost ended up going for the final day this past year um, with a friend that had a ticket available or two tickets available. I couldn't find anybody to go with me, and it was only for one day. Um, that's one of those that is a week long event. You want to at least go Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, Again, I, that 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 blows my mind. I I can't say anything more, Sherrod. I like I said, I I don't know that I've ever been caught that <laughs> off guard by by something like that. Um, the Gateway facility, I mean, I'm obviously a great facility. A brownie point. Well, yeah, you got me. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, you definitely get a gold star on that one. Um, the Gateway facility, I mean, it is a great facility, and I don't know relative to Oklahoma of how much more they can. Um, expand or, or able to than what takes place there at Oklahoma. So, uh, you know, it may be needed. I mean, it's one of those I've definitely had um, grown more than I think what they expected, and they were definitely working around some factors um, with haulers and whatnot that are parking outside and how they managed it. So, you know, maybe it is a necessity. Um, and and I, I'm kind of with you. I don't know that it, St. Louis had necessarily – gives me a different advantage of, as far as going. Um, but I also, being a family that we go to St. Louis for the Dome, for the dirt track in December at the at the Dome, uh, might be a bigger opportunity for the family because then it's kind of split in between us. So, Yeah, that's incredible. Gonna, I'm, gonna I'm be calling, excited about it. 
Yeah, I'm going to be calling my dad here in uh, five, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, your mom knows. Maybe she already told him. Oh, no, she might she well, can't hear us now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if if we started that as it went off because I did respond to her with "Wow," and she just said we are off now. So um, she might have heard the intro to it. Fortunately, hopefully, hopefully she didn't hear me. Hopefully she didn't hear me babble like an idiot because I had nothing to say. I was just "Wow." (laughs) (laughs) Well. I, I'm I'm pretty excited about it as well, and I hope our listeners are excited about it. And uh, like I say, look for something to be up at FanforRacing.com tomorrow. Uh, I will put an article up about that. Uh, do you have any other uh, bonsai topics? Uh, no, I didn't. The, uh, the the ones that the ones I had brought up uh, pretty much covered my list. And again, at this point now, you've completely just rattled my brain you're going to ask me what my social media is and I don't even know that right now <laughs> I know it's Mopar MJ on Twitter there we go Mopar, uh, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram and Michael Hoosman which is my name I know that okay on Facebook and uh, this weekend yeah, you got me, Sharon. You, you, man, I can't. That That's one of those I need to read in the privacy just by myself first. Wow. Um, no, uh, we had uh, had some dirt track stuff planned for this weekend. Weather obviously going to be a factor, and they have postponed. So uh, I will be hanging around the house oh. watching the uh, NASCAR Martinsville races on TV live again this weekend, hopefully. Um yeah, it's that time of year. I mean, it's slow. Yeah, uh, that's right. A little bit. We should have the opportunity to pick up on that one as well. So uh, I will certainly find something to do. But uh, the following weekend, then we got a couple of big races. East Alabama Motor Speedway has the National 100 over in Phoenix City, Alabama, and I will be down in Jackson Motor Speedway, and that'll be the November 1st and 2nd weekend. Um, for the All-American 60, and that is the same weekend, I guess, as I mentioned, the All-American 400 at Nashville Speedway if you're an asphalt fan. So there's still some racing left here in the South. Uh, You might want to invest in one of the team racing hoodies. I think I carry eight or nine or ten of them in my vehicle, and sounds like it might need four or five of them all in one night. (laughs) Layer up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I am Fan for Racing sites on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio, elsewhere on social media. Uh, again, a programming note, we will be back on uh, air for Monday night's show, which will be a review of Martinsville and Kern County Raceway. But uh, we will also be doing our preview show on Wednesday, October the 30th, instead of Thursday, because Thursday, of course, is Halloween night. Uh, and a lot of people will be busy with that. So uh, look for us on Wednesday night next week, uh, both shows starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with our hot topics at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, uh, I want to definitely do a shout-out to all of our listeners. We do appreciate everybody for tuning in to hear what it is that we have to say. Uh, And uh, we are available on a lot of podcast formats, so uh, you can find us just about anywhere. 
uh, by typing in Fan for Racing. Uh, so uh, definitely do that. Uh, our player is always up at fanforracing.com, and we have the uh, RSS feed of our radio shows so that uh, you can see the most recent shows up there as well. So with that, I think we're ready to call it a wrap, Jay. All right. Well, uh, with that uh, reminder programming note for Wednesday, you might want to send that one out a couple more times. Again, right now, I'm going to need multiple reminders as I try and gather my brain back into my head where it belongs. (laughs) Okay. And I did forget to mention just now, too, that our guest on Wednesday night is Chase Briscoe. He'll be on during our second half hour, and uh, we're definitely looking forward to talking with Chase with Stuart Haas Racing with Fred Biaggi. So uh, definitely a show to look forward to for next week. Most certainly, and uh, should be there. All right, and should be there Monday night for Hot Topics. Hopefully, Andy can join us that night as well. Yes, we miss you, Andy. We'll talk to you Monday. Good night, everybody. All right, good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.